0: Okay, so if you're a visitor here, we are slowly, um, well, I say working our way through uh, Proverbs. That would not be true. We're looking at some of the themes in the uh, book of Proverbs. This is our penultimate one. We'll wrap things up uh, next week. But Proverbs is a book that was written to help you and me learn to live life with wisdom, okay, with skill. But, of course, what Proverbs makes clear, as you may have picked up from uh, the Bible readings this morning, is that to live life with skill is not just about the decisions that you make or even the actions that you take. To learn to begin to live life with skill and navigate life with skill is also about what you say, the, the words that come out of your mouth, what you say, how you say it, and when you say it. I mean, just think of the i mean have you ever been in trouble okay with your with your friends or your husband or your wife or your work colleagues okay how many times was what you said or didn't say a big part of that okay the, the stuff that we say matters doesn't it but it's not just about the words you say okay probably the words that you say Okay, Proverbs teaches us that growing in wisdom is also about the words that other people say and that we listen to and that we let influence us. Which means, I think, that Proverbs has a whole lot to say in our cultural moment. Because today, no one doubts the power of words. Okay, just this last week, in the UK, a popular singer has been heavily criticised for singing a song. But it's a song about the Palestinian people and Israel. And no one is saying, oh, it's just a song. Or think about governments who are wrestling with the issue of freedom of speech and its limits. Or think about universities setting up so-called safe spaces to protect... So, called their students, from speech that they think is harmful. Or think about cancel culture and the silencing of people whose speech other people think is offensive. Okay, so today we all get that words are more than just words. Words. Words have this power to influence us. Our words have that power over others, and their words have that power over us. I'll give you a couple of examples. When I was a, a junior doctor, I wanted to be a family doctor, you know, going to family medicine. And as part of my training for that, I spent six months on the neonatal intensive care unit. And one day, as I was putting a fiddly little line into this tiny, premature baby and I got it in first go, my senior colleague who supervised me stood over the other side of the incubator, leant across and she said, Martin, you're good at this. You should do this as a career. And I thought, you know what, you're right. And I did. Meanwhile, Sue, my wife, as a medical student, was told by a surgeon during an operation, a man, okay, that he would never appoint a woman as a surgeon. To which Sue, and this will not surprise those of you who know her, said, right, then I am going to become a surgeon, which is what she did. Okay, so words, for good or bad, words have this, they even have this power to direct the course of our lives, or, or at least be a part of that. But words also have a power over our hearts. I mean, just think about your past. Do you carry any wounds or scars because of what someone has said to you? They didn't necessarily do anything do you carry any wounds or scars because of what somebody said to you? Or do you see yourself in certain ways, maybe even physically, because of someone else's words? Or, if we're honest, might there be people out there who carry wounds because of our words? So we all know that words have power and Proverbs says, you are absolutely right. Proverbs got there before we did. Proverbs 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The words that you say to others and the words that other people say to you can have a profound impact. They can nourish relationships or they can kill them. They can build you up on the inside or they can crush you. So that is what we're going to look at this morning. OK, firstly, we're going to look at words that are life-giving. Secondly, at words that are death-dealing. And thirdly, at the word that can change your life and your heart. OK, first point then, life-giving words. Now, in the UK, we, um, uh, we used to visit an old abbey that had a well in the garden, except it was less a well and more a font of crystal clear water that was just continually bubbling up from the ground and irrigating the garden around it. Okay, imagine if you were like that well. Imagine if your words were like that to the people around you. Proverbs 10 verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. So imagine that the things that you said and the way that you said them were a continual encouragement to others, that left them better off for having spoken to you. Just because you gave them renewed strength to face the day, because you imparted life to them, And Proverbs says, hey, that doesn't need to be imaginary. You really can be that kind of a person. Proverbs 12.18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. And we'll look at that later. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Or chapter 12.25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down but a good word makes him glad and maybe you've been on the receiving end of that for yourself you know life is dark life feels heavy but a friend comes along and helps lift the burden how how do they do that for you just by talking to you just by encouraging you And Proverbs is saying, and you can be like that as well. You can can be that kind of a person to your friends or to your colleagues or to your wife or to your children. Learn to live life with skill and what you say can build them up and leave them more healthy and more whole because you've spoken to them. Now, I don't know about you. I I love honey, okay, which is always worrying because Proverbs has stuff to say against eating too much honey. But at Christmas, Samara gave us a honeycomb from her parents in uh, Syria. And this thing just oozed honey. I mean, honey was just dripping out of it. And Proverbs 16.24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb sweetness to the soul and health to the body so what if people could say that about you okay what if people could say man he just oozes encouragement or she just oozes faith and when i talk to her and rather she talks to me it it just makes me feel good it just it builds me up sure proverb says 10 verse 21 The lips of the righteous feed many. Okay, but Proverbs is not slushy, is it? Okay, it's not all saccharine and sweet. You know, being skilled in life is not the same as being Dora the Explorer with her endless nauseating positivity. Okay, sometimes we need to hear the things that we don't want to hear which means that someone has got to be willing to say them. Proverbs 17.10, a rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fall. In, in other words, if someone is not interested in growing in wisdom, you know, if somebody comes along to you know, a church service like this and they hear this stuff about learning to live life with skill and they think, frankly, I would rather live life my own way, then what Proverbs says is that you can try and beat something into them as much as you like, and you're going to be wasting your time. But if someone else, like you, does want to learn how to navigate life with skill, then you're not just going to be open to encouraging words, you're also going to be open to words that tell you Hey, Martin, this thing that you're doing or this relationship that you are pursuing or this attitude that you are sharing or this behavior that you are engaged in, it's wrong. And you need to break it off. And having people in your life who are willing to say those hard things to you, that the stuff you don't want to hear, Proverbs says, is of immense value to you. Proverbs 25, verse 12. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Okay, so think of one of those um, handcrafted Swiss watches with a jaw-dropping price tag. Their value is as nothing in comparison to the worth to your life of having someone in your life who is willing to say the stuff that you don't want to hear. Or think of uh, how a piece of jewelry can add beauty to someone's external appearance. I mean, my grandmother gave my mother a, um, a, a necklace of pearls, double string necklace of pearls, which my mother has given to Sue, and I think. I always think Sue is beautiful, but when she puts those pearls on, I just think it does something else. And Proverbs says, well, being open to rebuke can add beauty to the inner you. Like jewelry can add beauty to the external you. That is how valuable it is. Okay, so the person who is growing in wisdom, who wants to grow in wisdom, will also be growing in, in their willingness to welcome correction. But we're also gonna have to be willing to grow in our, in our willingness to give correction when someone that we love is straying. Proverbs 27 verses five and six. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Compare that to our current culture. Okay, our current culture tells you, okay, you've got to affirm and approve and agree with the lifestyle choices of others. Proverbs says, that's not love. Since when has love been always agreeing with someone and telling them that whatever they do, even if it's contrary to reality, is right? That's not love. Instead, if you want to be a true friend, proverb says, you might just have to be willing to wound and you will hate doing it. In fact, you might try everything you can to avoid doing it. But if you are a faithful friend there may come a time when you need to confront your friend. And Proverbs says, hey one day they might even just thank you. Proverbs 28:23 Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than him who flatters with his tongue. Okay, imagine a scenario, imagine that you are not feeling so great physically, you're feeling a bit unwell, it's been going on for a bit and so you decide to go and see the doctor and the doctor runs all the tests, gets the results back, sits you down in his office and says, you have nothing to worry about, you are good, how would you go home? You'd go home feeling pretty good, wouldn't you? You'd go home feeling pretty happy, like a a, a weight had been uh, lifted off of you. He's told you what you want to hear. But what if he's not being straight with you? Okay, what if the results that he has in his hand are telling him that there is something seriously wrong, which if treated, could be cured? except he can't bring himself to tell you that because it would make him feel awkward. Then what would you think of him? You would think, man, it was your duty to tell me the hard thing. It was your duty to tell me the thing that I didn't want to hear. And if he told you, you might have gone home devastated but you would at least be on the path to healing and one day you might even thank him for his diligence and his care. And so Proverbs is saying, guys, don't be a fraud, be a friend, be a fountain of encouragement, yes, but also love people enough not to avoid the hard conversation. Okay, but in doing that, Proverbs says, you've got to choose your words well. Proverbs 16, 21 and 23. Sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness, and the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. You see, you could be the kind of person who um, is perfectly happy to say the hard things and you've made a life out of it, and you're the sort of person who just shoots from the hip and you tell it as it is, but are you doing it out of love? Almost certainly yes, but it's probably love for yourself, to make yourself feel good or look good in the eyes of others. Instead, as we grow in wisdom, as we genuinely want to see change in this other person's life because we love them, Proverbs says we are going to think deeply about how we say what we say. We're going to try and get in their shoes, get under their skin. We're going to try and understand their point of view and put it in ways that they understand. Proverbs twenty-five, fifteen: a soft tongue will break a bone. You don't go in with a sledgehammer, that'll break a bone. Much better to do it with a soft tongue, which means controlling your emotions and choosing your words might just open up a situation way better than speed and harshness ever could. It's Proverbs 25, sorry, Proverbs 15 verse one says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay, so you can be in a conflictual situation and you can be faced with having to say the hard thing, the the thing that the person doesn't want to hear, and you can say it in a way that will pour water or petrol on the fire of conflict. You can be someone whose words are like a jerry-can full of gasoline. And your need to have the last word or to justify yourself or to get your own back or to use sarcasm can just inflame the situation. Or, Proverbs proverb says, you can be someone who is growing in skill at life, whose words bring resolution and reconciliation. I don't know which one would you rather be. You want to be that person, didn't you? The person who brings resolution and reconciliation, not the person going around with a jerry can full of gasoline. Okay, but it may not just be the words we use, but about the timing. The timing in which we say them. Proverbs 15:23. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. Because you've probably experienced this, okay? You can say something at one time and it fall like an absolute clangor. And you think, why did I say that? Okay, you can say exactly the same thing at another time and the same person go, oh, wow, thank you. I seriously needed to hear that. Okay, thank, thank you for telling me that. What makes the difference between those two timings? Wisdom, Proverbs says. And sometimes wisdom will even tell you that it is better not to say anything at all. Proverbs 10.19 When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. That should probably be nailed on the front of every pulpit, shouldn't it? when words are many transgression is not lacking but whoever restrains his lips is prudent you see if you are talking a lot you might be tempted to show off your knowledge about the subject you're talking about or to show up the lack of knowledge of the person that you're talking to you might try to make them look bad and you look good Instead, the person who is growing in skill at life, in wisdom, increasingly understands that not everything needs to be said, and not everything needs to be said by me. As Proverbs 17, 27 and 28 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding, even a fool who keeps silent." is considered wise. Okay, so Proverbs is saying there is a way to live where your your words can impart life and encouragement to others, even if you have to confront them. It says that there is a way of speaking that persuades rather than inflames, that knows when to speak and when not to. I don't know about you, don't you want to grow in your skill of life like that? Become, become more that kind of a person? The problem is, as always with proverbs, there is an alternative. Okay, If so that's life-giving words, second point, death-dealing words. Now, Ironically, okay, if our current culture says that we are supposed to affirm what other people say or do, even when it goes against the grain of reality, if it says that, okay, we also bizarrely live in the age of the internet pylon and online shaming, and the shouting down of others who don't hold approved opinions. But if we're honest, that's not just a problem for those people over there. Look again at Proverbs twelve eighteen. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. And sadly, I think Sue and my girls could give you a list of times when I've done exactly that. And maybe if you're honest, you can recognize that for yourself in your own life. When you have said something and what you have said was wrong, or the timing was poor, or your motive was selfish and it has hurt the person that you should love. Or maybe you recognize that you are that person with the jerry can of gasoline who inflames situations and discussions. And Proverbs says, if you make that a habit of your life, then we can be like someone with a samurai sword diving into a crowd, slashing away at colleagues and husband and wife and kids and and friends. And our speech can have a profoundly negative impact on those around us. Proverbs fifteen verse four. A gentle tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks a spirit and 1814 says a man's spirit will endure sickness but a crushed spirit who can bear now I was recently speaking to a a pastor friend of mine who's had false accusations made against him and it has been devastating for him Okay, but you don't have to be a pastor to experience that, do you? You Maybe, like him, people have said something to you or about you that has left you feeling crushed. Or maybe, again, if we're honest, we're the ones who have done the crushing. And, of course, it doesn't have to be what we say to someone, but about them, to other people, Proverbs 16, 27 and 28. A worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. Okay, so we can build friendships and relationships with our words or we can destroy them by repeating gossip. There's an example which spreads like a forest fire that burns up everything in its path. And of course, to be a part of that, you don't have to be the one doing the spreading. Just listening to it can do the damage. Proverbs 18 verse 8 the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels they go down into the inner parts of the body and if you think about it to be in the know to be in the inner ring where this tasty bit of gossip or this complaint or this criticism is being shared can be enticing And just like food gives you energy, or builds up muscle, or lays down fat, so the words that we listen to, Proverbs says, can begin to change us and become a part of us. Because now, you can't see this person or this situation without seeing it through the lens of this thing that you have just been told and that you have taken in. But of course, it can be very subtle. Proverbs six verses twelve to fourteen says, "A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eye, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart devises evil, continually sowing discord." Okay. Firstly, what does it mean to be crooked? Okay, crooked means to be to be not straight, but it doesn't have to be totally crooked, does it? If it's just a little not straight, then it's still crooked, which means that something doesn't have to be an out-and-out lie to still be crooked. It can just not be the total truth. Maybe a detail is withheld. Maybe someone or something is put in the worst possible light. Maybe a motive is ascribed that we could not possibly know. Or as it says there, it may not be our words that do the damage, but our body language. The roll of the eyes, the shrug of the shoulders, the tut of the tongue, the exasperated sigh. And those combine with our words and they begin to kill relationships. Okay, but what Proverbs makes clear is that uh, these death-dealing words may sound anything but death-dealing. Okay, Proverbs 29, verse 5. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. But who doesn't like being flattered? I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't mind because, hey, you are wonderful, you are the best. The thing is, when we flatter someone, we are making them feel good, but we're making them feel good for our good, not for their good. And whether it's their body that we want or their approval, we flatter because they have something that we're after. You know, uh, when I was a junior doctor and doing uh, research, my supervisor, Liz, had an incredible track record of helping her junior colleagues get established. And as a result, the people in her circle, in her group and beyond that, who she had helped, frankly, they loved her. They could not speak highly enough of her. And one day, she, and she had no reason to take me under her wing, but she did. And one day, she organised for me to meet with another professor who was a world leader in the field that I was interested in. But before meeting him, she took me aside and she said, Martin, just so you know, he's the kind of guy who, when he shakes your hand, you have to count your fingers afterwards. I did not have a clue. I mean, I was young and naive. I did not have a clue what she was talking about. Except when I went in and I met him and it all became obvious. Because it was flattery after flattery after flattery. And whereas my supervisor Liz had spent her career getting other people established, this guy had used others to get himself established how did he draw them in? Through the net of flattery. So Proverbs tells us the person who flatters, who just tells people what they want to hear, may be just as self-centered as the person slashing away with a samurai sword of the acidic tongue. And while it might make the person on the receiving end feel good, ultimately it does them no good. Because to live wisely is to live within the grain of reality. And flattery would have you believe something other than reality. And Proverbs says that is a snare. But it's not just a snare to the person being flattered. You see, whether it's the oil of flattery, or the tasty morsel of gossip, or the sword thrust of anger, it's not just others who our words can harm, but ourselves. Proverbs 10.14 says, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. Okay, so make a lifetime of death dealing words and the ruin will come ever steadily nearer. It'll start out there, and that'll move into ruining your closer relationships until it becomes closer even still and it starts ruining the inside of you. Okay, how can we avoid that ruin? Okay, how can we be the kind of people who grow in the skill of speaking words of life, words of encouragement, words of upbuilding, in and doing it in the right way and at the right time? And if we've been wounded or hurt by the words of others, how can we find healing? Okay, last point then, the word that can change your life. Okay, look at Proverbs 15, verse 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pour out folly. Okay, so if, as Jesus said, it's from the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, if we're to grow in wisdom in how we speak, that is going to begin by our hearts growing in wisdom. And Proverbs 2 verse 6 tells us, Wisdom is a gift of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Okay, so if we want our our mouths the, the words of our mouths to be life-giving we need to be immersing our hearts in the abundance of God's words because if the world tells us one story that influences the way we speak in a story about you do you and you be true to yourself and don't let anyone else tell you what you do and that controls and frames and shapes the way you speak wrongly we need a different story we need a different story to be shaping how we speak and proverbs 9 verse 10 says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom because it is as we grow in a happy awe filled reverence for god that what we say and how we say it will grow in wisdom because when you know that you are loved by God and in response you love and you fear him above everything else, that will give you a deep inner security and the resources of love to build others up with your words. It'll also give you the courage to speak when you would rather stay silent because you're not afraid of what other people think, you're afraid of him. Your fear's in the right place. But it will also give you the self-control to stay silent and not speak when your pride wants you to speak. Because you don't need to prove yourself to anybody, not even to yourself. You know he loves you. You don't need to make yourself look good in the eyes of others. Okay, but if wisdom comes from the word of God's mouth, then Christ is that word. As John writes, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Think how Jesus spoke: full of grace and truth, in perfect combination. You know, when he was still a boy, people were amazed at his answers. As a man, they were amazed at his teaching and the gracious words, the gospel says, that came from his lips. Proverbs tells us that the words of the wise are healing. Jesus literally healed with his words, be clean, and the leper was cleansed. Take up your bed and walk, and the paralyzed person got up and walked little girl get up it's morning and the dead were raised and he calmed storms with a word and he cast out demons with a word and the religious leaders sent officers to arrest him and they came back empty-handed saying no one ever spoke like this man and when people began to desert him and he asked his disciples if they were going to join them. They replied, Where else will we go? You're the one with the words of eternal life. He was perfect in life-giving words. He was also perfect in rebuke, like to Peter, get behind me, Satan. But he's also perfect in lifting up the crushed and the broken, like the woman caught in adultery neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. And yet the one perfect in words was betrayed by the words of one friend and abandoned by the words of another. And at his trial, he was falsely accused with words. How did he meet them? With silence. And he was insulted with words, and yet with words he forgave. And he endured words of scoffing. Why? So that you might hear words of love coming from the mouth of his Father. At the cross, he took the soul-crushing weight of all of our death-dealing words so that we might be healed and the burden might be lifted off of us. And he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was met with silence so that our words and cries and prayers for mercy might always be heard. And his heart was pierced so that our hearts might be changed. Blood and water flowed from his so that words of life and love might flow from ours. Proverbs 15, verse 30 says, The light of the eyes rejoices the heart and good news refreshes the bones. If that is true of the good news, like I've passed the exam or I've passed my driving test or they've offered me the job, How much more true is it of the good news of the gospel? The true story, God's word to you that tells you, yeah, you are more broken and you are more crushed than you could ever imagine, but you are more loved than you could ever know or understand. And when you do know it, you don't need to lash out or flatter with your words. Instead, out of a deep inner health, you can use your words to do good and build up those around you. Paul writes, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Church, if you're a Christian, you have received grace from Jesus. Let's go and speak words of grace out there to those who need to hear them. Let's pray.